0: Welcome to the Pearl of Great Price podcast. Thanks for joining us today. It's the 15th of March. And on this day in Christian history, we go back to the year 1875 and we travel to Rome. Today, Henry Edward Manning was made a cardinal at a consistory convoked by Pope Pius IX. Unusually for cardinals in the Catholic Church, Manning was a widowed man. A convert to Catholicism, having been ordained in the Church of England, sadly his marriage had not lasted long. His young and beautiful wife had died childless of consumption. The term to describe what we understand then as a wasting disease, but would now be classified as pulmonary tuberculosis. When Manning himself died many years later, a locket containing his wife's picture was found on a chain hanging around his neck. His journey to Rome had begun 13 years after his wife's death, when he disagreed with what he saw as political interference in the Church of England. When the Privy Council which is a formal body of advisors to the Sovereign of the United Kingdom, ordered the Church of England to institute an evangelical cleric who had denied the objective effects of the sacrament of baptism. This became known as the Gorham judgment and it gravely disturbed Manning's conscience. The denial of the objective this objective effect of the sacraments was to Manning and many others a grave heresy, and it contradicted the clear tradition of the Church from the fathers of the Church onwards. There may be some irony to the fact that an obstinate evangelical disturbed Manning so much, because as a young student in Oxford, it was the influence of an evangelical that had turned his own mind towards an ecclesial career, away from a high-ranking colonial office that would have been open to him. However, now that a civil and secular body had had the power to force the Church of England to accept someone with such an unorthodox opinion, this became a matter of conscience for Manning. He had already been a member of the Oxford movement, which sought a return of the Church of England to more High Church ideals. A son of a banker and a member of Parliament, he had been ordained a priest in the Church of England and was very well connected. So Manning had a lot to lose by crossing the Tiber. He was received into the Roman Catholic Church on April the 6th in 1851 and was ordained by a priest by Cardinal Wiseman about two months later. His path to conversion was fairly smooth because he was the sort of well-connected establishment convert that gave the English Catholic Church credibility after a long period forced underground. Sir Robert Peel had carried the Catholic Emancipation Act in Parliament only 22 years before, which admitted Roman Catholics to Parliament and to all but a handful of public offices. But it would still take another 20 years until universities would be open to Catholics. Manning flourished in the Catholic Church, studying theology in Rome Back in London, he founded the Oblates of St. Charles. He became Archbishop of Westminster in 1865, and on this day, ten years later, he was made a Cardinal. In this new relaxed climate for Catholicism in the UK, he became a vigorous builder of Catholic schools and other institutions and acquired the site for the present-day Westminster Cathedral. However, he diverged from another high-profile convert, John Henry Newman and accused him of minimising the authority of Rome and was key in promoting papal infallibility at the first Vatican Council. In Britain, Manning was respected across the communities for his social concern. And successfully intervening in the local in the London dock strike. This strike was very influential in the trade union movement in Britain, and it led to the growth of new unions of casual, unskilled, and poorly paid workers. In contrast to the craft unions that already existed. It also shone a light on the problem of poverty in Victorian Britain and the Dockers' cause attracted public sympathy. Manning's involvement in the strike as a mediator trusted by both sides explicitly supported the right of labour to form unions, but also rejected socialism and affirmed private property rights. He would become a key influence on the encyclical Rerum Novarum, which means of new things, that was issued by Pope Leo the Thirteenth just two years later. Hugely influential and seen as the beginning of a long tradition of so- social encyclicals, it addressed the condition of the working classes. And using the sociological language of capital and labour, which the London-based writer Karl Marx had made popular 20 years earlier. The encyclical states, Each needs the other. Capital cannot do without labour, nor labour without capital. Mutual agreement results in the beauty of good order, while perpetual conflict necessarily produces confusion and savage barbarity. Colonel Manning's middle position made him a trenchant critic both of unbridled capitalism and of many aspects of socialism. That's all from the Pearl of Great Price today. I hope you've enjoyed listening. Please join us tomorrow if you can, as we look at William Beveridge's report on poverty in post-war Britain, which was described by commentators. The first time anyone had set out to embody the whole spirit of the Christian ethic in an Act of Parliament. Visit our website for more information at www.pogp.net. And if you'd like to respond directly, then email the show on pogppod at gmail.com. That's at gmail.com. Have a lovely day wherever you are, and thanks for listening.